Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. Over 2,800 years ago, the biblical prophets began announcing that Israel would return to their homeland after having been dispersed to the four corners of the earth. Those prophecies were fulfilled on May 14, 1948, when Israel again became a nation in control of their ancestral lands for the first time in 2,500 years. How do we know these prophecies have been fulfilled in modern times? We can just look to Scripture. How did God miraculously bring all of this about? And they were miracles. We can look to the stories that have been told to us. What are God's plans for Israel in the future? Again, we can look to Scripture for that answer. And how can we support His chosen people? We'll talk about all those things today. I'm Debbie Blank, looking forward to celebrating with you Israel's 75th anniversary this year of them being the modern nation of Israel. We're going to talk about the biblical importance of these people and the events that have taken place. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Almost 75 years ago, God miraculously regathered Israel back to her land to form a nation in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. But today, that nation needs another miracle. Reports are that Israel is on the brink of a civil war. In fact, its enemies are proclaiming that Israel is already dead. What's happening? The Israeli political turmoil of five national elections in four years ultimately ended with Benjamin Netanyahu back as prime minister. But his enemies quickly vowed to not let his government stand, and using propaganda tactics against promised judicial reform has ignited massive demonstrations. Amir Sarfati, an Israeli citizen and Christian Bible teacher, says Israel appears to be so unstable right now that it probably will need another miracle from God to survive. And because of the alarming manipulation and deception of the crowds, he fears that Israel may be becoming a nation that is ready for the Antichrist. What miracles can Israel hope for now and in the future, and how should we be praying for Israel? What we're seeing in Israel right now is very similar to what's happening in the United States, and that is that we have a group of people who hate Donald Trump and what he stands for, and they are doing everything possible to discredit him, to his ruin his reputation, and to make sure he can't run for president again. They don't care about the country or the division that's caused in the country because of this, they're doing it because they have a political agenda. Same thing is happening in Israel. Many of the last elections in Israel were not based on ideology. They were based on anybody but Netanyahu because there's a group of people in Israel that do not want Benjamin Netanyahu to be running their country. So they are doing many of the same things using the same tactics in Israel as have been used in our country to try and destroy Benjamin Netanyahu. Unfortunately, our government in the United States is underwriting a lot of this divisiveness in Israel. They're taking the left approach against Benjamin Netanyahu, and the country over there is very much in the thrones of a civil war. Will it happen? I don't believe so, because I don't see it in the Bible. But anything's possible, so we have to keep watching. And you mentioned Amir Safadi's comment that Israel could very well be ready for the Antichrist. 
many years ago, I attended a Jewish women's event where they had four rabbis on the stage, each from the different Jewish denominations. When the discussion of the Messiah came up, three of them did not agree that even there would be a Messiah. And the fourth one, a very strong Orthodox rabbi, believed that there would be. And when I asked him afterwards, why? Why do you believe that the Messiah is coming and what will he look like? He perfectly described the Antichrist from the Bible. In other words, he'd be a world leader who would stand with Israel and help Israel find peace. And that's exactly what the Antichrist will look like. So there's a lot on the horizon for Israel. But for now, we are celebrating 75 years with them. Even though May 14, 1948 was the day that they declared their statehood or their independence, actually in the Jewish calendar, that is called the fifth day in the month of Iyar. And the fifth day of the month of Iyar, the Jewish calendar, in 2023 is April 25th and 26th. So you will see two Independence Days in Israel, one celebrated on the 5th of Iyer, April 25th sunset to April 26th sunset, and you'll also see them celebrating on May 14th because that is their 75 years. Now we have to go back and understand the history of Israel to see how amazing it is that God has taken this nation from being a nation in their land to being spread, dispersed, throughout the whole world, and then brought back to their country. The first nation that controlled Israel for any length of time was Egypt. Now, Egypt did not take them captive. Israel actually went down to Egypt and then became slaves in that country for 400 years. But they came back into their land in 1445 B.C. and were able to self-govern themselves in the land that we now know as Israel. They did that until 722 B.C., when the northern kingdom of Israel was taken captive by Assyria. Not the southern part, not all of Israel, just the northern part. So part of Israel, captives, were taken into Assyria, which is modern-day Iraq pretty much. Also, some of the people from Assyria were brought into Israel to intermarry with the Jews in order, they thought, to build stability in that region so that people would not fight against the Assyrians. Well, then the southern part of Israel continued their autonomy as their nation until the Babylonians conquered them, starting in 605 B.C. and completing their conquest in 586 B.C. From the time of the Babylonian conquest until 1948, the Jews did not control their land. They did not have autonomy. That was 2,500 years. Now, they lived in the land, and they were able to worship their God as they wished for the most part, but they were controlled by the Babylonians. Then they were controlled by the Medes and the Persians, starting in 538 B.C. The Greeks conquered the Medes and the Persians and took over the land in 331 B.C. And then finally, the Romans brought about the Roman incursion in 63 B.C. in the land of Israel. From that period of time when they destroyed the city and the sanctuary of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Jews have been dispersed all over the world. And the Jews for many decades did not have the right even to come back to their own land. 
But all that changed down through the years, even though they had different entities controlling the land, such as the Byzantines and the Muslims and the Crusaders and then the Ottoman Turks. Jews continued to infiltrate back into their land and live there so that when they became a nation in 1948, the majority of the people in that land were Jewish. Since that time, 75% of the people who live in Israel are Jewish. As a matter of fact, it's the only Jewish nation in all of the world. The Arabs who live there and who want part or all of Israel as their own state, they have 22 different states that are Arab states that they could infiltrate to, but they want control of Israel. All of those things are so amazing to think that 2,500 years went by and this people, the Israelite people, were dispersed to what the Bible says are the four corners of the earth. And when they were brought back, no other people has been brought back after that period of time to their original land and not lost their identity. They are who they were when they left. They have regained their language. They have regained their Sanhedrin. They're making plans for their temple. All of these things are so amazing, and it's never happened before in history. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 11, 11 and 12 prophesied that this would happen. That passage reads, Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathos, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Did you notice that said, God's going to recover Israel a second time. Now he recovered them the first time when he brought them out of the Babylonians. And the second time he recovered them was after the 2,500 years of dispersion in May 14, 1948. What a great fulfillment of prophecy. Now, we have to understand that Israel didn't just take over this land or occupy this land. It was given to them by the United Nations. You see, there was a concern after World War I when the Ottoman Turkish Empire needed to be divided in order to maintain stability in the Middle East. So countries like France and England became leaders over some of the territories so they could train up the people in those lands to take over the lands and develop their own states. Well, that didn't work too well. So instead, the United Nations stepped in on November 29, 1947, and decided that the land that we know today as Israel would be divided into two states, the nation of Israel and a Palestinian nation. It was divided in such a way that no state could ever survive because the Palestinians were given three sections. Now, for their benefit, they were given the most fertile of all the sections in Israel. They were given the northern part of the Galilee. They were given the Judean and Sumerian hills. And then they were given the wonderful area just south of Jerusalem. Israel, on the other hand, was given the coastal area, which is very populous, and about 80% of their industry happens there. But they're also given the entire desert, which is still desert to this day for the most part. But Israel said, yes, we accept this as our nation, and we accept the Palestinians having their own nation. This was supposed to happen on May 15, 1948. But since that was a Saturday, the Jews decided 
to declare their independence at 4 o'clock on May 14, 1948. On the next day, the Palestinians were supposed to declare their independence and have their own state. But instead, they said, no, we will not accept this division. And five Arab nations, which surrounded Israel, and that is Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and Jordan, fought against Israel in the War of Independence because they were going to destroy Israel, this new nation that God planted. They were going to destroy it and use it as an Arab nation. That didn't work. So now May 15, 1948, the day of the start of the War of Independence, has become known to the Palestinians as the Nakba Day. That's the day of catastrophe. So every year when Israel celebrates their independence, the Palestinians celebrate their day of catastrophe because Israel became a nation. What's extremely sad to me is that last year, the United Nations passed a resolution commemorating May 15th as a Nakba Day. So the United Nations supports the day of catastrophe for the Palestinians. In other words, saying that Palestinians, they didn't get their state. Israel did, and they have a right to think that this is a catastrophe, even though the United Nations is the group that gave Israel their land. And Israel said yes to them. The Palestinians said no. I find that stunning that the U.N., just doesn't even remember its own history. It doesn't acknowledge its own role in the birth of Israel. As we look at Israel's return to the promised land, we, we can look at Ezekiel chapters 36 and 37. I'm just going to read a few passages that I think will whet your appetite to go read them on your own. It tells us in Ezekiel 36, Son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel. That's obviously the land of Israel. In verse 3, it says, They have made you desolate and crushed you from every side, that you should become the possession of the rest of the nations. That's exactly what happened to Israel until May 14, 1948. Verse 4, Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills and to the ravines and to the valleys, to the desolate wastes and to the forsaken cities. He went on to say in verse 6, Prophesy concerning the land of Israel. Verse 8, but you, o mountains of Israel, you will put forth your branches and bear fruit from my people Israel, for they will soon come. Verse 10, I will multiply men on you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities will be inhabited and the waste places will be rebuilt. Verse 11, and I will multiply on you man and beast. Yes, I will cause men, my people Israel, to walk on you and possess you so that you will become their inheritance and never again bereave them of children. Well, we know historically that Israel was a wasteland after the people had been dispersed all over the world. And yet God allowed the land to flourish and people to come and inhabit the land, just as that said. The passage in Ezekiel 37 is what's called the dry bones passage. It says in verse 1 that the middle of the valley, it was full of bones. They were very dry bones. Verse 3, and God said, Son of man, can these bones live? Verse 4, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. In verse 7, we're told that Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. And there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And it goes on later to say that God will 
bring breath through his Holy Spirit to them. So Israel, we're told in Ezekiel 37, would become a nation. The dry bones would grow up to be a great nation, an exceedingly great army, it says in verse 10. Yet they wouldn't know their God. Not until the Messiah would come and show them who he is. So those are two passages that are prophesied about Israel being resuscitated, coming back to life after 2,500 years of not being a nation and now being a nation in their own land. I will tell you that when Theodor Herzl, the father of modern Zion, first had the heart to bring the Jews back to their homeland, he held the first Zionistic conference in 1895, and he said, in five years, maybe 50 years, this dream will come true. And 50 years later, it came true. He saw the vision of what was going to happen, and God brought forth that vision. And only God could have brought that about. And it's so convincing, those passages that you've read, that Israel was going to come back into the land, literally. I know. And so I'm going to tell you just a couple of miracles that I've read about how God brought about Israel being able to stay in their land when their neighbors, their enemies, tried to destroy them. In the War of Independence, Israel was outnumbered by manpower and gunpower a thousand to one. How they ever won that war is amazing. What actually happened was after a a short period of time of fighting, the United Nations called a ceasefire after the first month or two. Well, during that ceasefire, Israel had time to go to other nations and beg them for armament so that they could fight their enemy. When they came back, they had all this armament that the enemy wasn't expecting them to have. So they were able to defeat their enemies. Let me tell you, a battle of Safad in 1948, the heavenly armed Arab troops who outnumbered not gun Israel, as I told you, for months they struggled over the city of Safad, which is in northern Israel, just north of the Sea of Galilee. An artillery piece nicknamed the Davidka was delivered to the Jews, but it was ineffective. It didn't do anything except make a huge amount of noise. However, a rumor quickly spread through the Arab ranks that the Jews had acquired an atomic bomb, and the entire Arab community left Safad that night. With that exit, their morale deteriorated among the Arab troops, and then the Jewish troops were able to come in and take over the city and the area. There's story after story about rumors that the Arabs heard and believed, so they fled, and the rumors weren't true at all. In the Yom Kippur War of 1973, in a place called the Valley of Tears, where we have been in the Golan Heights in northeast Israel, the Syrians were armed with three infantry divisions. At one point, it said that they had 50 Syrian tanks against Israel's three tanks, and yet the Syrians retreated. Why would they do such a thing? The Israel forces were on the verge of giving up and collapsing and surrendering. But a Syrian soldier swears an army of angels surrounded those few tanks that Israel had, and that scared the Syrian army, and they ran away. Only God could allow miracles like that. Debbie, you spoke of a couple of modern miracles in our recent history when we look at Israel and 1948 and the wars that happened to them after 1948 automatically right away. The first one came right away as soon as that nation was declared. But there were others as well. What are some of the other miracles that occurred 
during their fight for existence? Well, in the War of Independence, another real interesting story is when an Israeli platoon fought the Jordanian military for Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion is part of Jerusalem. When the War of Independence was over, Jerusalem was split in half. The west part, which is Mount Zion and west, belonged to Israel. The eastern part belonged to Jordan, or what became known as Transjordan, or the West Bank of the Jordan River. So Israel was fighting against the Jordanian military on Mount Zion, and they found themselves surrounded by hundreds with only 25 bullets left. Now, how do you fight an army with 25 bullets? But Israel never gave up. The Israelis fought against all odds, and they kept winning because they saw these miracles happen. In this case, just when the small platoon was about to face the inevitable, something incredible happened. The Jordanian soldiers dropped their weapons, and they ran away, screaming, Abraham! Israel never knew what happened until several years later when one of the platoon members met a former Jordanian soldier who had fought against him in that battle. And so he asked him, why did you run away? And he said his whole army witnessed a vision of Abraham defending the Jews in the sky above the Israel platoon, and they had no choice but to drop their weapons and flee. There's another story of a man who had a cannon. All of his other people were defending other positions, and he was left with only his cannon, no guns or anything, and his cannon stopped working. But somehow the enemy saw this cannon and believed it was working, and they ran away from a cannon that wasn't even working. So Israel has story after story of things like that that can only be explained through the miraculous hand of God. Now, they also have some good stories about their tactics, which helped them win. By the time the Six-Day War came in 1967, Israel knew that all these armies around them were going to again attack Israel. So that is the only war where they took their preemptive measures. They left their Israeli airspace flying low over their land, went down to Egypt, and attacked all the Egypt air bases. Egypt was destroyed. They had no air force from that point on. The Israeli pilots come back to Israel above the airspace so that everybody could see them. Jordan caught them on their radar, and Jordan said to the Egyptians, is that you coming up to destroy Israel? And they said yes. So Jordan, who wasn't going to get involved in that war, decided to fight against Israel, and Israel decimated them, took over the east city of Jerusalem, which had been under Jordanian control. And actually, by the time that war was over, they had gone all the way down just about to Cairo. They had gone all the way north, almost to Damascus, and they had taken over the West Bank of Israel. God allowed them to do that because of the lies, the innuendos, the poor judgment from their enemies, as well as the good strategy that God gave the Israelis to win that quick war. It's so interesting that in our modern history that you just spoke of, the miracles that happened during those wars sound so much like the kinds of miracles that God accomplished for Israel in the past. That's because God isn't finished with the Israelites. He still has a plan for them. He's going to return for them and establish his kingdom here on earth with them in the city of Jerusalem. And with enemies like Israel has experienced, 
Israel needs all the help they can get, and God knows that. So he continually does miracles for them. What's different, I think, is that many of the times in the Old Testament when you see these miracles, like God routing 185,000 of the enemy, that's because the king or the people had turned back to God. Now they haven't. Israel is walking in secularism. They do not know their God. They do not walk with their God as a country. They're almost all secular. And yet God is protecting them because he still has plans for them. If we look to what we know of the future that's still going to happen for Israel, we know that there's going to be a battle of Gog and Magog that's going to have a federation of Russia and Iran, Turkey, Sudan, and Libya coming up against Israel. But God's going to miraculously intervene, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, and defeat those armies. We know that there's going to be a peace treaty between the person we call the Antichrist and Israel that will be in effect for seven years. One of the things that the Jews are going to be allowed to do during that seven years is build a temple. Now, they quite frankly don't need a temple because when we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when Christ died on the cross, he tore the veil from top to bottom to show that we don't need a temple to worship God anymore. We don't need to do animal sacrifices. But the Jews don't know that. So they are looking forward to building their temple, and they will. We also know they're going to go through a seven-year tribulation period that's outlined in Daniel, as well as the book of Revelation and Zechariah and other places. That's really going to be difficult on them, but God is going to supernaturally protect them for the last half of that tribulation period so that many Jews will come through and come to know their Savior when Jesus Christ returns. According to Zechariah, it tells us that all the nations of the earth are going to come up against Israel. That's actually starting to happen right now, because I think all the nations of the earth probably relates to the United Nations, who represent all the nations of the earth. And they have had so many resolutions against Israel. And just like I mentioned earlier, how they support this NAVCA day, this day of catastrophe, because they don't support Israel as much as they do other people. And then, of course, we know that Jesus gives return to the land, as I mentioned, and set up his kingdom here on earth. And that's going to be a time when he reigns with his Jewish people and those other believers on this earth for a thousand years. Those are just a few of the things that we know are still going to happen, which tells us God isn't finished with his people. That's why they needed to come back to Israel. When I told you about Theodor Herzl and the decisions that were made at their Zionistic conferences going way back to the late 1800s, one of the decisions that the world tried to give them was to accept Uganda as their national inheritance, not the land of Israel. And several of them wanted it just because they wanted a safe country, but most of them held out. And of course, we know they had to because the Bible says that they would be back in their land. We have to recognize in this day and age, though, that anti-Semitism is the worst that has been since World War II. In the UK, anti-Semitic attacks have increased 42% in the last 19 years. Here in the United States, just between 2021 and 2022, there was a 36% jump in anti-Semitic activities. And of course, we have to look at the BDS, Boycott, Divestments, and Sanctions Against Israel, that's going on worldwide. All of that's designed to build a hatred towards the Jews. It's Satan's attack to destroy the Jewish people so that Jesus cannot return for them. 
Folks, the future is all about Israel. They are God's chosen people. He's coming back for them. He has plans for them. And we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and pray for the salvation of God's people and celebrate 75 years of them being in their land because that means Jesus Christ can return at any time. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.